Okay, before we get going, I should just let you know that you're going to hear the odd F word here and there. It's only ever used as a means of emphasis and it's part of how I speak. This series is brought to you with the support of the LSE. And in this episode, we cover the second of our two Ps, population. We've been through what impacts our own happiness and what we can do to make ourselves happier. Yet none of us exist individually. If your partner's unhappy, you're unlikely to feel ecstatic. The misery of those around us affects us greatly and often in ways we might not notice. Imagine you get into the office, everyone you meet greets you with smiles, your colleagues ask how you are and offer to make you a cup of tea. Compare that to when you get into work and no one even notices, your colleagues might say hi but continue to stare blankly at their screen. Which office would you rather be working in? Which office do you work in? As well as contagion effects, there are comparison effects. Sometimes we may even feel schadenfreude, joy at someone else's misery. There was this really cool study looking at the happiness reports and facial expressions of German and Dutch football fans when they watched their own team score a penalty and the opposition missed. They reported being equally happy about each, but their faces lit up much more when their rivals missed. In this episode, we'll look at how comparisons with others can influence our happiness. And we'll also look at the role that communities play in creating a happier society. Let's look at the income of others. Think of being in a traffic jam, stationary, and there's two lanes. The other lane starts moving. How do you feel? I'm pissed off that you're in the wrong lane, I bet. But also perhaps pleased that you might start moving soon. These are really the two effects of how other people affect us. Envy on the one hand, and a signal for your own success on the other. When it comes to income, the first one dominates in rich countries and the latter in some poorer communities. Living amongst the wealthy, even when you're doing pretty well yourself, can be detrimental to your mental health. Being highly paid is not enough. People want to feel like they're moving up and making progress in their lives in comparison to other people. They also want to be able to show off this progress to other people in their community and to themselves. You might actually prefer to be the wealthiest person in a poor neighborhood than the poorest person in a rich neighborhood. How much do you want to keep up with the Joneses? The number of people filing for bankruptcy in an area increases when a lottery winner moves in. This shows just how powerful these comparison effects could be. I half-jokingly recommend that each of us should surround ourselves with people who earn less, less successful, less funny, less attractive, all except one person who should be more of those things, so that we can gain most of the time from lording it over others and have the one person who pushes us on a bit. Our communities affect us significantly. The environment we live in and work in impacts our health and well-being. Positive factors include safety, job opportunities, social connectedness, and a sense of community belonging. Negative factors include loneliness, feeling unsafe, a lack of social interaction, and disconnection from the community. Maybe you might like to take a moment to write down some notes on what your community is like. Do you know those people who live around you? Do you want to know them? Are there green spaces? Can you go outdoors and do things easily? Having done this, consider the ways in which engaging in your community might improve your happiness on a day-to-day -day basis. Research has shown that positive social support, such as community groups or friends and family, can have a buffering effect against stress, anxiety, PTSD, and improve your physical health. Weak social support and isolation are associated with compromised physical and mental health. Research has also shown that people who interact with strangers even a casual hello or smiling at someone as you pass them in the street, shows up in feeling good. So put your phone down when you're in your local coffee shop or ask a local news agent how they're doing. Say hello or good morning to people as you pass them whilst walking a the dog. It'll make you and them feel better. 
it might make you feel better even if you predict that it won't. And even if it won't, it's not for everybody after all. You'll at least know for sure. If you don't enjoy engaging in small talk, listen to your experiences. Maybe you can just be present or acknowledge another person with a smile. Interacting with strangers doesn't have to mean an hour-long conversation small talk. It could just be far more subtle like a smile. Now, I understand that smiling at people can sometimes be taken the wrong way. So context does matter. And of course, if you're under 16, you might be well advised to ignore this advice completely. It does raise an interesting question about exactly when the message should change from don't talk to strangers to do talk to strangers. Let's go back to loneliness. Loneliness is a really serious issue that can have profound effects on our happiness. Extended periods of feeling lonely show up significantly in our physical and mental health. I can't emphasize enough how significant loneliness is. If you were to rank all of the health interventions to improve life expectancy, let alone life experiences, addressing loneliness is right up there. It's about equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness can disrupt sleep, impair our thinking abilities, and increase mortality risk. And it's not just a personal struggle. Loneliness affects society by reducing productivity, raising healthcare costs, and straining support systems. Policy responses to COVID impacted society in several detrimental ways. The prolonged periods of limited social interactions during the lockdowns reduced opportunities for face-to-face connection. And the overall impact of the pandemic on mental health has contributed to this increase in loneliness. To address these challenges, it's crucial to prioritise efforts that foster social connectedness, promote community engagement, and provide support networks. So what can we do to create happier communities and simultaneously improve our own well-being? Well, helping other people. Pro-social behaviour is good for us as well as for other people. We conducted a recent study on the well-being benefits of volunteering in the English NHS Volunteer Responders Programme. We used a sample of over 9,000 volunteers. Our results showed that active volunteers experience high levels of life satisfaction, feelings of worthwhileness, social connectedness, and local community belonging compared to those who wanted to volunteer but weren't able to. Moreover, program benefits outweigh its cost by a factor of at least 140. These findings provide important insights into how pro-social activities can improve personal well-being and social welfare. You can contribute to the community's well-being and simultaneously contribute to your own. Doing things for other people gives us pleasure and purpose. Volunteer on a project that's meaningful to you. If you like to cook, volunteer as a cook. If you don't have time to volunteer, maybe you can incorporate acts of altruism into your daily life. Little things every day that you can do to help people. They can be really small, they'll make you feel good and they'll improve their happiness too. Now, I could suggest that you get over yourself and stop making outward comparisons, but I'm not naive enough to think you'll be able to do that without therapy or without society completely recalibrating what it values. I don't want to sound glib about the inequalities and fall into the trap of recommending being nice when your experiences of the world are that it's harsh and people let you down and can't be trusted. Too many happiness experts have had good lives and they don't understand the lives of those whose experiences have been tough. Where even looking at a stranger might feel like it's going to get them into trouble. But we can engage more. We can contribute by putting down our screens and engaging with those around us. Whether it's volunteering, joining a local club or striking up a conversation with a stranger. Small acts of kindness can greatly impact everyone's happiness. My ambition in creating Get Happier goes beyond simply offering a free copy and ending it there. I intend to foster a community of individuals who can make society happier using rigorous and relevant evidence with minimal effort. 
Subscribe to my Substack where I share resources and insights so that we can all get happier.